0: This is Center Stage, putting lawyers in the spotlight by highlighting attorneys and other industry experts to help take your law firm to the next level. Hey everyone, and welcome to Center Stage. I'm your host, John Henson. And this week, I wanted to talk to you about a free or maybe a low-cost uh, marketing initiative that you can do that has a lot of really great benefits. I mean, it can be a great referral relationship builder. It can be a good lead generator. uh, And it also is a great way to just help you elevate your expertise. And that is hosting an event. And you know, whether you're doing this virtually or in person, uh, I thought it would be great to just have an episode dedicated to that, to give you some ideas, to give you some inspiration. Uh, and my guest this week, uh, I've worked with him uh, a couple of times. He has a great workshop program online that we will talk about later in the show. Uh, but that is Dan Bryan from Marketing for Justice. Dan, thank you for joining us this week.
1: Thanks so much for having me, John. It's really great to be here.
0: Awesome. So, yeah, before we jump in, you know, what do we need to know about you? Why are Why are we having you on the show this week?
1: <laughs> I don't know. No. Um, <laughs> yeah, like like you mentioned, my name is Dan Bryan. I uh, I started a online workshop company called Marketing for Justice, and you know, the last several years, I've worked as the digital marketing digital marketing director for Riddle Brantley, which is a midsize uh, personal injury firm in North Carolina, and. One of the things that I really was looking for, but um, could never quite find it was um, a group of other legal marketers um, you know, for continuing education. And I joined the LMA Legal Marketing Association, and I just wasn't quite finding the kind of actionable um, education that I was looking for, things that I could really take away each time and really put into action right away. Um, a lot of it was a little bit esoteric and philosophical, and it just wasn't really the value I was looking for. So I started marketing for justice and we do online uh, marketing workshops for legal marketers. So,
0: yeah. And we'll talk more about, you know, just how uh, you out there could get more involved in that and learn more about it, join some workshops later on. Um, But yeah, you know, I hosted a couple of these workshops um, over the summer. They're really great. There's a lot of great engagement. You've really done a good job of building a nice community there. Um, And I think that you have a lot of good insight into just how to develop that and how, you know, an attorney can take that and and just kind of do something on their own, just maybe in their community, reaching out and doing some events like that. And so, just kind of to start, you know, what what really is the value of holding these kinds of educational events?
1: Well, I think you kind of hit on it um, at the outset. I mean, the biggest thing for me is it's an opportunity um, to, you know, not only network, but really position yourself as a thought leader. Um, so for an attorney who may be considering holding an event um, to educate folks on a particular aspect of their practice area, um, it's a really great opportunity. It's a really low barrier um, opportunity to really just get your name out there and associate it with the kind of expertise on a particular, uh, you know, subject area that that you're working with. So, you know, a personal injury attorney could, you know, host an online workshop really on how to deal with insurance companies. I mean, that sounds, um, you know, maybe a little bit boring, but um, it's something that, you know, is, is an everyday thing. A, a tax attorney could obviously do Um, you know, an online workshop or even an in-person event on preparing your taxes right around tax time. There are so many opportunities for attorneys in particular to position themselves as thought leaders. Um, And, you know, an event, whether it's in-person or virtual, is just a really great opportunity to do that.
0: Yeah. I mean, other examples that I can think of, you know, estate planning attorneys could probably do a lot of good work in churches, um, oh, and, sure. and helping, you know, I know churches nowadays are generally more of an older population. So, uh, a lot of people still need help with their estate planning, a lot of elder law issues and stuff like that. Um, you know, business attorneys in sort of like some chamber of commerce, uh, settings, you know, and, and helping other business owners like that. But yeah, so many opportunities there. Um, so now I know your sort of specific expertise, at least as far as I know you has been in the online world, um, mm-hmm. And I know you have a a really good stance on on this webinar culture that has kind of blown up, especially since COVID. And I think, and you and I agree on this, like webinars in general are just really boring. Um,
1: (laughs) They're terrible.
0: Yeah. We put on webinars uh, every month here uh, at Spotlight Branding. And and when we started doing that, um, our first webinar series was like January of 2020. And I know when I first started it, I really wanted to make a point to not have them be boring. But in your opinion, why are webinars generally boring?
1: Oh, well, I think, yeah, you know, it's a great question. And and honestly, you know, I think we all have some webinar fatigue, like you mentioned, going through COVID. Uh, there's just been so many. Um, and if you're anything like me, you know, you get probably three or four or five, you know, invites to a new webinar every day in your inbox. Um, they're just a dime a dozen. And I think the, the biggest answer to your question, <clears throat> probably the best answer that I can come up with is that they're just one sided. Um, for the most part, a webinar is, you know, very um, one directional. So it's just someone talking at you and people go to events or they go to networking events or even other educational events because they want to meet people and soak up information from other people, but they also want to share their own experiences. And so the fact that most webinars just involve a single speaker talking at you um, is really kind of a turnoff, I think, for most people. And so people are looking for engagement. They're looking for conversation. They want to connect with people. Um, you know, one of the best ways to learn, I think, is not just, you know, absorbing what someone else is telling you, but also like sharing your own experience and, um, then, you know, seeing what comes of that, what, what conversations that might spark. And so, um, I think the biggest disadvantage of a quote unquote traditional webinar is that it's, it's completely one directional. It is not good for building relationships. Um, it's focused solely on the speaker Um, not the audience. And there's really not much opportunity for engagement, which is where I think the the greatest value comes from in learning.
0: Yeah. And I think, I think another big one for me is just a lot of times people don't, there's a, it's just a different energy, you know, like when you're getting up and you're speaking in front of a a live audience, I I think it's a little bit easier to be a little bit more animated, be more engaging. But when you're just, when you as a speaker just standing or, or sitting in front of a computer screen, it can get really boring. Like you just start reading your PowerPoint slides. You get kind of (laughs) monotone, kind of just dead to the world. You're just as out of it as your audience is. And you're just going through the slides. And so it just, that's, to me, that's what makes it really boring. But then also to your point, uh, you know, there's just not a lot, uh, a chance for engagement. So how do you do that? How do you make webinars and and online events a little bit more engaging?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, like like you said, I mean, we try to do them, uh, in as, quote, non webinarie <laughs> a fashion as possible. And so to do that, you know, the, the best thing I think up front is to get people, um, you know, a little bit engaged right from the outset. So we always hold a breakout session, you know, in Zoom or other, you know, online platforms. There's often a breakout session functionality. And so you can break people up into little rooms and they can get acquainted and introduce themselves. And we always invite people to share something, Um, usually a lesson that they've learned or a pain point that they have regarding the topic at hand right at the outset. So everyone feels comfortable. You know, this is a safe space to share, you know, your own perspectives, your own experiences. And, you know, really that sets the foundation, I think, for um, a much better collaborative experience going forward. So we always do a breakout session. We also intersperse, you know, whoever is leading uh, the workshop. We also intersperse throughout. Uh, discussion slides. So we'll pause and actually open it up to discussion. And we encourage people, in fact, to unmute themselves and jump right in and share or ask questions. Um, really, really encourage that. And I always ask, and, you know, of course it depends on the speaker, but but we always ask that the speakers that come on, like yourself, you know, we, we ask if they're willing to let people just jump in with questions at any time. And I feel that that really helps Um, A lot of times on these traditional webinars, people get stuck um, only asking questions through the chat box and half the time they don't get answered. Um, You know, other times they might get a kind of a a courtesy shout out. That's really not much um, by way of, you know, an actual substantial answer. Um, And so we encourage people to just unmute themselves and, you know, shout out what they're thinking or what questions they have. And that's a really great way, I think, to, to keep things a little bit. Yeah and, it's,
0: yeah. and it's such a small change to make. Cause I mean, that was the biggest thing that one of the biggest things that I learned from actually hosting your workshops, you know, because prior, you know, when we were just doing our webinars, like we would do that. We would just be like, Hey, if you've got a question, throw it in the chat box and we'll have yeah. a Q and a, you know, discussion at the end and go back through and answer your questions. But you know, in the way that you had it set up, it just makes a whole lot of sense to just kind of pause after a couple of slides while things are still fresh on people's minds, and maybe yeah. clear up some things that you didn't explain as well, or that other people want to learn more about. And so, I mean, and that just went such a long way because you know, you're we I, I felt like we had a lot of really good engagement on the workshops that I did with you, um, and and I think just the, that small change did a lot. To to really encourage that, and so um, I, I thought that was really great. Looking at the other side, what are some other kind of mistakes that people can avoid when they decide to host an event?
1: Oh man, um, I think you know the one that I didn't cover earlier on that I really want to get out there is that uh, you know a webinar, and let's stop calling them webinars, by the way. I mean <laughs> a yep. workshop. Um, What I call them workshops because they just they're a whole lot more engaging um, than most webinars. But a huge mistake that people make is they use them as an opportunity to sell, as opposed to an opportunity to inform and educate and engage. And you know the selling can come after and should come after. So the the point of the webinar is not to sell. You know there are you know a lot of internet marketers and that out there that use. Webinars to sell online courses and that kind of thing, and you know you can get all kinds of fancy webinar technology that has a countdown and you know all of this all this nonsense that's used to sell. But the real point of like an educational event is just that—to educate. And so it's not the place to sell your products or your services. And it can be really tempting for an attorney or anyone else to do that. It can be tempting for me to do that, um, you know, to use a workshop to sell more workshops. But that's that's really not the intent and so i always encourage anyone who's hosting an event whether it's in person or online don't use it as an opportunity to push your products or services you know let that be the follow up it's amazing how much value um you know, people get from these events just on their own, and people are amazed. Um, you know, after an event, when you follow up with them and say, "Hey, you had a great question. I wanted to follow up with you on that." Oh, by the way, we also offer this or, or whatever that might be able to help you out. And that is so much more valuable um, long-term than just using the webinar as an opportunity to just sell stuff.
0: Yeah, and and we talk about that uh, a little bit with our clients, and just you know you know from a marketing side that that whole content balance where, um, you know, it's not just a bunch of self-promotion. It's not all about you. And I think that that translates really well to that event side of things where you're just there to provide information. You're there to be a resource yeah. and you're there to educate. And and I think, you know, to your point, you know, maybe, may, you know, maybe there's a small pitch at the end or you just hold off. And, and to yeah. your point, you know, it's part of your follow-up at the end, you know, you get contact information for people who register or attend your event. And now you have a really good uh, you know, personal, intimate contact follow-up sequence that you can do, that you can then tailor that that personalized sales pitch to.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. I mean, if you go on most webinars, some of them will allow you to see how many people are in the room at one point in time. You know, on on ours, we use Zoom, um, and we don't even use the webinar product, so people can always see how many people are in there. And you know, the moment that you start selling or the moment that you start pushing a product or a service is the moment that that number just starts to plummet and people leave and they check out and it's a turnoff quite honestly people don't want to go people go on these things because they want to learn they want to talk to people they want to get their questions answered they don't want to buy something um, or be told that they should buy something and so um, yeah I I totally agree I mean it's an opportunity to present yourself as a thought leader Um, do that first and you know you're setting yourself up for even more sales down the road if that's your intent.
0: Yeah, for sure. So, um, one more question here before we kind of start to wrap up a little bit, let's focus a little bit more on the in-person events, you know, with COVID and everything, I think we're finally all kind of opening back up unless like another new variant comes and shuts everything down again, which God forbid, but,
1: um,
0: yeah, like, you know, I think in-person events still a good thing to go after. Like we mentioned up at the stop, at the top of the show, Mm -hmm. you know, um, whether you're going to like churches or, you know, whether you're hosting events like in your own office or at chamber of commerce, whatever it is, do you have any, like any sort of additional tips for people who are looking to host an in person event?
1: Yeah. So, um, we were doing some in-person events before COVID, um, not actually for marketing for justice, but actually for the law firm that I work for full time. Um, and we actually partner with another law firm in town. Um, To do those. And uh, the woman that runs their events um, for that firm is actually way better at doing in person events than I am. Um, But one of the things that she always does um, at the events that we host together is um, integrate some kind of um, game or activity that forces people to start talking. Um, and, you know, icebreakers, as they call them, I mean, it can be a little bit uncomfortable, especially for people who don't want to necessarily put themselves out there. I'm actually terrible um, at networking and doing in person events. Um, yeah, the online format is so much better yeah. for me. Um, but, you know, like one thing that we've done, you know, previously is you put, um, you put a sticker on someone's back that has some kind of word. And then the person, you know, that meets you, you know, they, they probably have never met you before in their life, but they see that word. And the goal at this initial kind of awkward icebreaker stage is to get that person to say the word without, you know, saying it more or less directly is you just make it fun. Yeah. Um, You know, we've done all kinds of other activities like that. They don't have to be, you know, maybe that's a little bit hokey or cheesy or whatever, but there are all kinds of ways to get people talking. Um, And I have found a lot of success with the ones where, you know, you, you put a name tag on someone and you have to find the three other people in the room that belong to your same group or have the same color name tag or whatever. And it's the same kind of idea as the breakout session in an online event, right? It's just all about getting people to connect, engage and start talking because, In my experience with the online events and the in-person ones, you know, once you get people to start talking, um, it very rarely do people clam up then for the rest of the event. I mean, they continue talking, they continue engaging. If you're comfortable at the outset of the event, chances are you're going to be comfortable for the rest of the time and you're going to stick around. So
0: yeah, I think another big one for me, at least for me personally, and then also I've seen this work really well. People are motivated by free food. Man, make it lunch and learn.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm ashamed that I missed that for sure. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But I mean, and it doesn't have to be, you know, super extravagant. I mean, go to Costco or Sam's Club or whatever, get a couple of those, you know, sandwich trays or something like that. And and you know, make it a lunch and learn or, you know, an evening event, whatever the case is. But man, people come out for a free meal um, and they get the opportunity to get educated and and you know, figure out where they need to go next and maybe, you know, hiring you is that next step. And so So um, all kinds of good information there. Um, Before we head out, uh, talk a little bit about Marketing for Justice. How can people uh, get involved or find out about the next workshop coming up and and all that good stuff?
1: Yeah, cool. Um, So Marketing for Justice is, like I said, it's uh, all about providing digital marketing know-how for legal marketers. So we work with legal marketers um, of firms of all sizes and practice areas. Primarily, I would say smaller to mid sized firms uh, though, but that's not to say that <clears throat> we don't work with people at corporate firms or larger business practices. Um, but it's really just an opportunity for uh, legal marketers to get together once a month and we focus in on one digital marketing topic. So I know you've been there before to talk about podcasts, talk about referral marketing. Um, we've also done series on SEO and PPC and content marketing and you know everything under the sun in the digital world, you name it, we, we cover it. And we typically do one workshop a month. Um, you can check out what's coming up next at marketingforjustice.com. Um, in, the, uh, in the interest of keeping this podcast fresh and relevant forever. I will not say the name of the one that's coming up next, um, but you can go to marketingforjustice.com and check it out for yourself. So yeah, thank you for, for asking.
0: Yeah. And, and I think it's honestly a great resource, whether you're an attorney or you have an in-house marketer, um, regardless, like it's, it's a great resource to, to do. Keep, in, you know, keep track of the workshops that they're doing uh, and definitely check out, you know, some stuff that maybe you feel like you need to get some more education in. Um, having done them myself. There's not going to be a huge sales pitch. Uh, I can promise you the workshops that I did, I did not do yeah, any sort of like, hey. the rules. <laughs> right, exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah. But I mean, we talked, it's funny. We talked about it afterwards. I mean, you did have some people that you had conversations with yeah. afterwards. So, I mean, this stuff works. You don't have to, you know, do a hard sell everywhere you go. And I think, you know, that can be a lesson harder learned by some than others, but um, I think for for sure it works.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So uh, one last question here before we wrap it up. It's a question we ask every guest here on Center Stage. And that is, if you had one piece of advice for our lawyer listeners out there, what
1: would it be? Oh, man, that's, uh, I don't know um, exactly if I had one piece of advice. But I think, you know, what I would say is just from my own experience in um, digital marketing and marketing on behalf of law firms, I think, um, you never hurt yourself by experimenting. And if you approach everything with, um, the mindset that you may, and you probably will fail, um, you know, nine times out of 10, you're going to fail. Um, but that one, one time out of 10 that you're going to hit the money and, and really knock it out of the park, you know, it's, it's all worth it from there. And so, um, there are so many opportunities to, um, test new ideas and, um, challenge yourself to, you know, try new tactics in digital marketing. And I would just recommend that people try as much as they can, as often as they can and, you know, take what works and go with it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, and I think that's just that, that second level of marketing that I think a lot of people who, you know, kind of do it on their own, don't think about, but yeah, man, AB test everything, yes. you know, test subject lines and emails. Test calls to action, all kinds of stuff. You know, anytime you can do that, definitely do that and track that data. That's yeah. the other key thing. You can test all you want, but if you're not paying attention to the data and which A B test works better than others, then you know you're kind of wasting your time there. But definitely track the data. That for is sure. that is the key part of that for sure. Um, well, I think that's going to wrap it up for us this week. Uh, thank you all so much um, for continuing to listen, uh, for all the feedback that we're getting. Uh, rate and review us. Continue to do that on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe on YouTube. All right, just well, wherever you're consuming the show. We really do appreciate it. Uh, and that's going to do it for this week. Dan, thank you so much for joining us.
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Sean. Take care.
0: All right, we'll see you next time. See you. Thanks for listening. To learn more, go to spotlightbranding.com slash center stage.